0: Driver, where we going? I swear, my nerves are showing. Set your hopes up, wait. you i hope you're uh at, le- at least give it a chuckle um i think it's fun it's a fun song to play but it's a hard one to master uh as you'll see as you listen to more of this <laughs> podcast uh the living daylights finally finally got around to this one geez this was supposed to put it out like two months ago this one but uh you know life the life bomb happens and uh important things come up and here I am recording this one now Um, I'm gonna get right into it gonna make it fun the living daylights um, the first Timothy Dalton uh, bond uh, movie and I did not see this one in theaters Uh, I I saw it the first one I saw yeah I did see Roger Moore I wasn't able to see The Living Daylights or uh the next one, uh, License to Kill in the theater for some reason. Uh I don't know, just uh just didn't happen. I was still uh, a kid and I didn't have that independent. I didn't have my, you know, the bike that I could drive. I didn't have enough didn't have a job at the time, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> But uh, I did end up seeing it on TV, on TV, and uh, let's take a look at this cast, stellar cast. It's, of course, Tim Dalton it's Jimmy Bond. Um, uh, Jiren Krab- Krabbe, Krabbe. I'm probably saying that wrong. Is General Georgie Koskov, who this guy's been in a few other movies. I think he was in he was in The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. Uh, plays a villain in that he usually gets villain roles. Um, he was going pretty hardcore there in the late '80s. Um, John Reese Davies, John Reese Reese Davies, man, it's you know he was in this pretty cool. Um, Andreas Wisunowski, uh who's kind of like the heavy in this movie, uh, like the the muscle, um, and then. You know you got uh, Desmond uh, uh, Llewellyn, which I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, as Q, still holding on as Q, still still hanging, slugging it out as Q. Um, Caroline Bliss as Miss Money Penny, which is a different, very different Money Penny than we got even later with the Pierce Brosnan ones, I believe. Um, Virginia Hay as Rubovich. Um, I think she is the lead uh, Bond girl. No, she's not the lead Bond girl. Uh, Mariam Diabo is uh, plays Kara Millevoy. Millivoy. Kara Millevoy, and Joe Don Baker is Brad Whitaker and Joe Don Baker in tons of movies in '60s, uh, I'm sure, '70s and '80s, um, even into the '90s, and he was in a uh, I think he's in one of the Pierce Brosnan's, uh, Brosnan movies, uh, Bond movies. Um, still got Robert Brown as I'm in here. But all right, that's enough of that. That's enough. Um, let's get to the trivia. Um, on IMDB, you can always follow me there and follow along. I'll, I'll tell you the storyline. Um... James Bond, James Bond 007's mission is to firstly organize the defection of a top Soviet general. Uh, when the general is recaptured, Bond heads off to find find why an ally uh, an ally an ally of General Koskov was sent to murder him. Bond's mission continues to take him through to Afghanistan where he must confront an arms dealer known as Brad Whitaker. Everything eventually reveals reveals itself to Bond, and uh, that about sums it up. Um, Did you know Timothy Dalton was originally considered for the role of James Bond in the late in the late 1960s, after Sir Roger Sir Roger Connery Sir Roger Connery (laughs) as Sir after Sir Sean Connery left the role. Uh, following You Only Live Twice. Um wow. Dalton was screen tested by Albert R. Broccoli for on her secret on her majesty's secret service in sixty nine, but he turned down the part as he thought he was too young. Yeah, definitely he would have been. Who's also considered for Diamonds are forever. Or turned it on again, still feeling he was too young. Wasn't that, wasn't that, isn't that crazy? Yeah, like, no, I'm too young for it, guys. I can't be, sh- I'm not right for it. <laughs> How many actors would turn down a role, a Bond, uh, these days? Um, not many. Not many actors always looking for work, big, big time ticket work like this. Um, he was considered again for the role and for Your Eyes Only in 81, when for a while it was unclear whether Sir Roger Moore would return. However, Dalton declined at the time, as there was no script or even first draft. Dalton was offered the role again in 83 for Octopussy, and yet again in 85 for A View to a Kill, but he had to decline. The role both times due to previous commitments. Wow, wow, and I'm thinking, you know, 80s. He was his probably career was kind of just starting out, and you got to think this is a big ticket character. Um, it's so strange, you know. It just tells you something about. You know, Timothy Dalton. I mean, he's honoring his commitments. you got to give him respect for that. But, hmm. that's said, it's, it's very different. Very different than you probably have an actor today um, vying for whatever uh, part that you give him. Um so i'll go into the beginning of this movie like they go into it and there's a a training thing going on where tim uh well where they're all the all the double o's are training on this mountain and um things start going wrong like they're all you know climbing this mountain with their gear and then one of them you know there's like a double agent or something that's killing them off and they all get killed, or they fall, and yeah, they get double-crossed or something. There's a uh, undercover agent killing them, and the last one, I think, that's still alive. You don't see the reveal till the very end. Was is, is is the is Bond? Is Timothy? You see the big face reveal, reveal of Timothy Dalton as Bond, and I thought that was a good way to introduce this character, or this version of the character, with him playing it. Um, good lead up to it, and then he jumps onto the the car, the truck. I think it's like a kind of a five-ton kind of car, and he, um army vehicle, and he he's like uh, hanging onto the top. And I think he did this stunt himself, which really going down a mountain uh, road, uh, spiraling mountain road, and all that. And it's uh it's pretty well done. It's kind of it's I wouldn't say it's like an amazing stunt but it's 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 fine it's fine it does the job and you know he's it seems like pretty much he seems to be really doing it with probably some uh, blue screen work going on here and there um let's see here so they have a I'll read this 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 looks kinda neat the featured review it says, user under the user reviews, user reviews, a great Bond film. Perhaps one of the most overlooked films in the James Bond series. This one brought things back down to earth for the series. Though Roger Moore made a good James Bond, he had by now outgrown the series. Timothy Dalton is perhaps the most underrated actor to play James Bond due to his rather brief stint as the character. He is terrific in both his films and gives 007 a brooding hat. Uh, a brooding hat. <laughs> gives 007 a, bro- <laughs> a brooding hat. Here's a brooding hat. Yeah, it's pretty sad. You should not wear it. <laughs> that Bond has not had in any of his previous films. <laughs> the The movie is also good because the romance between Dalton and Miriam Diabo is there, and it is and is wonderful to see. Though Kara Milo, Milovoy, 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 is not a tough Bond girl, she is the most sensitive and most romantic uh, with Bond himself. the The side love story is great to watch. The villains are not that good. I will all agree with with this uh, review. I'd say uh, they're not it's not because it's two villains as opposed to just one villain. And while the actors are are, are good, I don't they're not strong uh, villains. They're not written as a, a big threat. They're kind of they seem pretty incompetent in ways. Um, that are more obvious than the other villains have been. Uh, and now, Okay, let me go back into the review. For they are not given enough screen time, but the plot is great to try and figure out. Although it's not as half as confusing as Mission Impossible, it still took me a while to catch on at some points. On a side note, John Reese davies uh, once again proves what a great character actor he is as General uh, Pushkin. The Bond movie stands out, for it is basically the last to incorporate the USSR, the KGB, and any other Cold War element plots. Cheers to the living daylights, an unsung hero of the James Bond series. That's pretty cool. Very cool. Um, Title sequence by AHA. And this title sequence... Song, this opening song. Uh, forgive me as I plug in my computer here for battery power. Um, is definitely an underrated song. I I never kind of it never caught on with me till more recently um, upon rewatchings, uh, more recent rewatchings because I like Aha, but this bond song is very much a departure because it's very it's very 80s it's very hip of that time and it's not like like an operatic kind of bond song it's not like the the female long uh huge singing parts and it's just not as as dramatic and drawn out it's more again more poppy um and uses all the all the current musical uh, cliches and devices of that time. Um, but aha uh-huh is great for what they are. And the more you listen to that song, the more you like it. And the more it it, it works into the theme of the movie a little bit too. It it's incorporated in the movie, and I like that. It, Again, it takes repeated viewings, I think, to really appreciate that. Um, I think John Barry was still on board doing the the score for this one. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that. But uh, director John Glenn, old reliable John Glenn, still directing the Bond Bond movies here. Um, Still... Uh, based on one of the books, I believe, because it says Ian Fleming, but I, I'm not sure about that. Don't quote me on that. Um, goofs. <laughs> Upon leaving the plane, they see a sign saying that it's 325 uh, kilometers to Is, Is-, Is- Islamabad. Is- oh, gosh. Islamabad. Islamabad. And 200... Kil- uh, kilometers to Karachi. In fact, Islamabad and Karachi are almost 2,000 kilometer kilometers apart. Uh, all right. So, yeah. It says soundtracks, *Living Daylights*. Music by John Barry. Uh, and uh, yeah. So that's I was right about that. So let's go to the more meatier stuff. Um, there's a big part of the movie where um, the Bond girl, the main Bond girl here, Bond girl here, Cara Milovoy, Milovoy, she uh, she's playing in a, an orchestra, and her her instrument there the uh, what is that called oh. you know the big violin <laughs> what do you what do you call that man boy whoo uh, let's see here well her big instrument gets shot and it's a big deal because she's trying to take care of the instrument and it, but it gets through all these different stunts, and it, it's funny to watch um, Bond and, and, and her trying to kind of take care of this big huge uh, instrument here, and uh, it doesn't get crushed. But you're you just you're just wondering if it's gonna get exploded or it's gonna get just demolished, and it just gets a bullet hole in it, you know. But she just they still use it, like they put it in the car. There's a fun little car scene in this where um, I think it was like the top or the bottom of the car comes off and it keeps going. Something like that. It's pretty wild. Um, I'm looking for more trivia here. Timothy! Originally, was originally unavailable to play Bond and Pierce Brosnan was chosen to play 007 in 86 but was given the script to this movie and was given the script to this movie although he was contracted but to Remington Steele in 82 for seven seasons NBC decided to cancel the show at the end of the fourth season which meant that Brosnan was free to play James Bond in this movie the following year However, shortly after the end of the fourth season, NBC had second thoughts about canceling Remington Steele and subsequently approached the Bond producers directly in an attempt to strike a deal uh, that would allow Bronson to play James Bond and Remington Steele the following year. NBC also offered to completely reschedule the shooting of Remington Steele to ensure that... There were no scheduling conflicts, but eventually Albert uh, Broccoli famously told NBC that James Bond will not be Remington Steele, and Remington Steele will not be James Bond. According to Brosnan, would only play Bond uh, if the show remained cancelled. NBC had a 60-day deadline to revoke the decision on, uh, to cancel the series, and at 6:30 on sixteenth day, sixteenth day of the deadline. Brosnan learned that NBC decided to make a fifth season. So all the way up to almost the end there. Let's see. Uh, the Bond producers subsequently... Uh, subsequently pr- provided... Uh, pff, sorry, my, I'm, pff, my talking is just all over the map here. <laughs> subsequently prevented Brosnan from becoming the next James Bond. Subsequently, I guess I could... Subsequently again. Uh, the role <laughs> went to Timothy Dalton, who was now finally available after years of turning down the role. NBC went on to make only six episodes of the fifth season of Remington Steel 82 before finally canceling the show for good. Wow. Only six episodes of the fifth, uh, fifth season. Man... It just tells you. It's like, you know, when you're working with all these different companies um, and all these different commitments, they cross over so much. And, uh, you know, it's contracts. You're contracted to work for this many years, and then this opportunity comes up. Do you take the opportunity or not take the opportunity? A lot of tough decisions uh, that were made, had to be made or, or not made. Um, so it's not easy to make big decisions like that. Um, this was, oh, this is here. This was the last Bond film to be scored by John Barry. That's too bad. It's too bad, because he was excellent. It's very sad here. Um, there's not much of the trivia kid, so I'm going to have to be filling this in myself. Um... I said most of the good stuff. Uh, So let's go into the casting of Frederick Warder and Glenn Baker as 004 and 002 was intentional due to their resemblance to George Lazenby and Sir Roger Moore, respectively. Yeah, I even said that when I was watching that. Um, I go, that guy looks like George Lazenby. Like one of the guys when I was talking about the climbing scene. And... uh, I think they did that on purpose. For the, uh, okay, go back into it. For the movies, movies opening scene, the writers wanted to toy with the audience's expectations of what of which of the double agents was Bond. Yeah, that's it's a it's a fun scene. Uh, a stuntman was originally going to play the role of the SAS man, whose rope is cut by the imposter played by Carl Rigg, Um, the Russian assassin in Gibraltar at the beginning. But after watching Russia's director John Glenn decided that they needed a real actor actor for the part and was given to another actor. Uh, At the time, the actor was out of work and staying home, taking care of his baby while his wife was away on business. Upon getting the call, he left the baby with a neighbor. Okay. Left with his wife, left his wife a note telling her he'd gone to be in a James Bond movie and caught the next plane to Gibraltar to start filming. That's interesting, you know. Hey, yeah, it's a lot more than uh, Timothy Dalton. <laughs> like Timothy's like, Whatever, I'm not playing this guy. <laughs> this guy's ready to leave his little kid <laughs> just to play stuntman. Play stunt in this movie, you know. Um hold on a second, guys, I gotta sneeze. Okay. Whew. That cleared me out. So This movie, uh, yeah, it gets. There's some good stunts in it. There's a good stunt at the end of it, near the end. There's a few good ones. Just they're like somewhere in Afghanistan. That's where they're. They're in Afghanistan. And there's a guy that plays um, the uh, one of the villains and True Lies he plays a terrorist and ter- a terrorist leader in True Lies well he's in this movie and he's an ally of, uh, of the Afghanis he's a leader of an Afghanistan uh, see I can't talk tonight but <laughs> I better put the bottle down uh, leader of the Afghan army and, and he's not he's not in S- Sama thank God <laughs> but, <laughs> This was around that time where there was a lot of um, Afghanistan influence because of the news, I think, and uh, and the uh, political events going on at the time. I mean, this was around Rambo 3 would come out probably after this, and it had a lot to do with Afghanistan. and. And them defending themselves from Russia you know and all that kind of stuff so I thought that was amusing that's kind of a movie of its time but there's a good scene where the plane they're up in a plane a cargo plane a C-130 kind of plane and all the stuff is coming out like these nets of uh, first aid bags but they're really stuffed full of uh, drugs cuz this is pretty much that's the main thing is that they're moving out all this I don't know if it's coke or opium I think it's opium or something in these first aid bags and they're falling out of these nets but and Bond is uh trying to get aboard the plane by uh, uh crawling up these nets that are attached to the plane still with Holding the first aid bags, and there's an awesome fight between the big, heavy, blonde, big guy and and Bond on these nets, and is really well done. Like it's really happening for the wide shots, but the close-ups obviously you know, uh, a blue screen, but very well done. Um, if you have a scene like that, which they try to do in the Uncharted movie. It's all CG for the most part, and they're not really going up there and doing that and having that, that kind of a scene. Uh, so it's really um, it's awesome. It was awesome, um, but yeah, there's that that funny car scene where. Um, um, the car kind of goes off the it kind of go it splits like it goes forward and backwards and it like it's going on it's it's they're driving on it's like it gets cut in half by some kind of laser or something like that and then it keeps going and it's going on its hubcaps or something it's pretty wild (laughs) i gotta rewatch that scene um So, yeah, the villains aren't that really good. Uh, trying to think what stands out. Um, there's a cool rooftop scene where Boss is kind of evading um, this gunman, and he's like jumping from rooftop to rooftop. And they're in. Uh, uh, Dan- what was it? Zanzibar? Wherever the hell that is. <laughs> Zanzibar. And he's in a white suit, and again, that's where the score kicks in, the John Barry score, uh, influenced by Aha, and uh, yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, a few, there's a few, there's a repeated song in it in the beginning that they're listening, that one of the uh, villains is listening to on the Walkman. That kind of gets overplayed. Um, And it goes, and they play it at the end of the movie, I believe. It's okay. It's an okay song, but it's kind of a cheesy song. Uh, But I I I noticed that in movies where they kind of have a soundtrack, and they they probably feel obligated they have to play the song in the movie for so long, and it feels kind of forced, you know. See here, what else? Yeah, um, Living Daylight. Uh, the Bond girl was fine. You know, she does a good job. There's a whole, I think the scene at the end where they're in the desert and they're trying to escape and uh, get control of this plane. And uh, it was good. It was. It has a good ending. It's just. But the villains, I mean, what's his name? Uh, the military villain, you know, there's a shootout and he's kind of... The guy's kind of a hobbyist. He collects like old historic armor and guns and weapons and stuff. That's cool, but it didn't really have much. It didn't play into the overall movie enough. It's just a scene where he has to like shoot at and try to kill Bond in there. And the uh, the guy, the uh, the Russian, there there's like there's a guy. At the beginning of this movie, Bond is trying to he saves uh this guy uh like he and you know his his the, the target that he was trying to save is like a I don't forget what his position is, like he's kind of like a diplomat or somebody like that and he he puts him in through this the Trans-Siberian pipeline like there's a they pipe shoot him through hundreds of miles <laughs> through this <laughs> through this thing. Pipe going across the border. And <laughs> I don't know if this would work in real life. But <laughs> he's getting shot through a rocket and he makes it out to the other side of the border. And uh, it all goes well. And he's like, oh, thanks, Bond. And they're kind of like buddies. But this is the guy that turns on him. And becomes a villain in the movie, and so it, he does. But when he becomes a villain towards the end, he's kind of inept. He's not really big of a threat. Um, he's just a turncoat, you know. And um, it's just again, uh, he 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 double. This guy uh, kind of double crosses uh, John Reese Davies and so it gets kind of like there's like three there's a temporary villain so there's three kind of villains in it then one becomes one helps Bond out and so they all kind of screw each other over all the villains there so it's kind of messy Um, I think this one wasn't as defined as far as the villains go but I'd say the plot isn't as convoluted as some of the other plots have been um uh it's kind of straightforward um in some parts of it it's a little over overwritten I think as far as the exposition because it's not really you know they you know, really the only big twist is that the guy that bond helped in the beginning tens- turns on him and ends up being the villain uh. But there's some good action scenes uh, and I like the soundtrack I like the music even though it a lot of people might not like uh-huh, aha <clears throat> for the title sequence it's definitely something that you would have it's an acquired taste a little bit but uh, yeah Tim Dalton uh, I think he gets more appreciated every year For his small stint, I always feel that he needed a third movie. You know, a third Bond movie to complete his mini-trilogy there. And uh, I've seen uh, License to Kill a lot more than the Living Daylights. Um, Although Living Daylights, I think it's a little bit more... I think people like Living Daylights a little bit more than License to Kill. I I like the Bond girls in License to Kill a bit more uh, than in this one. Um, but it's a, it's a solid Bond movie. It's a good one to debut in if you're, uh, an, an, an actor that's just taken on the role for the first time and Timothy Dalton's a capable actor. I think his career's been a little underrated, his career, um, uh, but he's always gotten work. You know, he is, he is, a. a you know, a traveling journeyman actor. So good on him and he's never brought in much drama and he brings the drama on screen. So there you go. Um so I guess I'm gonna wrap it up. I can't think of anything else to say. Um I, I kind of said all the parts that I like that stand out. Um but I, I was looking forward to doing this review for a while. i sorry I took my time, dragged my feet on it, but you know, these things happen a little bit. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this review. Uh, this is the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, also my birthday coming up. So I'll try to do a birthday pod. But uh, yeah. Um, oh, there there is a part, I'll say this. There's a great part in the movie where and this is always this was always a memorable. word. Uh, Bond says the the he says the name of the movie and uh, something I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect of uh, uh, he scared the living daylights out of her. Uh, and, and they go, yeah, I go, that's the name of this movie. <laughs> and my Austin Powers voice. It uh, it's pretty funny when they do it. Uh, when they can tie in the dialogue to the name of the movie, that gets a point in itself. So, uh, yeah. So, um, do not get the living daylight scared out of you. All right? And to that end, I will say I'll meet you at the next uh, Bond Review in the marathon. Uh, the living daylights. No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> License to kill. License to kill. I better put down this uh, bottle of... Uh, Dr. McGillicuddy's uh, root beer. (laughs) I think it's getting to me. Uh, You know, I got to keep it pro here. Uh, But uh, it's been a long week. Uh, All right. And uh, have a happy Thanksgiving as well. And uh, bye bye. Set your hopes up way too high. Living's in the way we die. Set your hopes up.